the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. Good Wednesday to you. We have plenty of time for you to speak this hour as we are guest-free uh, today. So uh, by all means, dial us up at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. So to the last caller who talked about um, uh, uh, Lieutenant the Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, who recorded himself in a video, risking his career by calling out the the top military leadership under Joe Biden um you know regarding the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan that took the lives of 13 service members and obviously left uh scores of Americans behind as well as Afghan allies and others um so he came on he was very measured in his approach he spoke for about four and a half minutes he was very measured and he knew that what he was doing was very risky for his career and in fact potentially for his freedom but this is what uh lieutenant colonel scheller a marine uh this is part of what he had to say Evening. my name is lieutenant colonel Stu scheller united states marine corps and the current battalion commander for advanced infantry training battalion i've been in the marine infantry for 17 years started my tour with victor 18 the current unit that's doing perimeter security dealing with the mess that's going on there I, you can see open source reporting that there was an explosion and some people were killed. I know through my inside channels that one of those people that were killed was a someone that I have a personal relationship with. We won't go into more details because the families are still being notified. Not making this video because um, it's you know potentially an emotional time. Making it because I have a growing discontent and contempt for my perceived ineptitude at the foreign policy level, and I want to specifically ask some questions. To some of my senior leaders, and I'll say, I'm going to stop it there because again, it's about four and a half minutes long. But you get the gist of it. You heard what he said. I'm not doing this 
for any other reason than the fact that I have growing contempt for some of the decisions made by the senior leaders. And he said, I've got many questions. And among them, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, a strategic air base, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't do that, did anyone else raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? He said, I thought it through. If I post this video, what might happen to me, especially if the video picks up traction? If I have the courage to post it. But I, what I, but I think what you believe in can only be defined by what you're willing to risk. If I'm willing to risk my current battalion seat, my retirement, my family's stability to say some of the things I want to say, I think it gives me some moral high ground to demand the same honesty, integrity, and accountability from my senior leaders. By the way, following the posting of this uh, public video, Lieutenant Scheller then submitted his resignation letter to his superiors, effective on 9-11. So this obviously was recorded uh, uh, earlier, you know, during the calamitous days of the withdrawal and right after the deaths of the 13 service members due to the suicide bombers at uh, Kabul Air, uh, the Kabul airport. And then he submitted his resignation, which took effect on Saturday, September 11th. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that. The last caller just brought it up, and I need veterans to maybe tell me what the reality is. I understand, I think I understand, that there is something in the U.S. Military Code of Justice that says you can't publicly condemn or criticize senior officers or superior officers. It's not like civilian life. Military life is different. Um, so I'm going to count on uh, military veterans to tell me what the story is. Brian in Cleveland is a Navy vet. He may have the answer for us. Let's find out. Brian, good morning. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob, real quick. Do uh, your antibodies need my antibodies to work? Strangely and shockingly, no. It actually they actually work on their own for the individual that actually has them. Unlike the synthetic therapeutic non-vaccine vaccines that they are demanding that all of us take. Oh, that is brilliant! Very well done, sir. Hold on a second. That's awesome, man. Thanks. That was well done. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. But at any rate, like I told your uh, told the screener uh, in the UCMJ Uniform Code of Military Justice, you cannot come out and publicly dissent against your superior officers. There's like you can't you can't just go knock on the skipper's door and complain about something that could be handled at the division level. You know what I mean? So for him to publicly come out and and make that condemning statement without going through the proper chain of command or running a request up the chain to go talk to the skipper or get yourself, uh, you know, the undersecretary of the Navy or whatever, but to come out and publicly condemn that, you're, you're not allowed to do that. I think as far as him being thrown and in I jail. And I think he knew it. And, I think he knew it. That's and, why he said, I'm willing to throw it all away to publicly say what I have to say here. I think he knew full well the repercussions were going to be that he's, you know, he's going to lose his job, he's going to lose his rank, he's going to lose his pension, and so forth. Oh, oh, yeah, and he's gonna. I, I think being put in jail like that, you know, it's just a showboat. You know, they're gonna make an example of him. You know, you you don't come out and say anything dissenting against the administration. Period. Well, they're probably gonna court martial him, right? Isn't that what the USMJ yeah. calls for? Well, it, well, it's it's in your uh, in your oath whether you're an officer enlisted to support and defend the Constitution against all inmates, foreign and domestic, and obey the orders of those appointed over you. 
There you go. Yeah, so they're probably going to court-martial him. He's probably in the brig until the court-martial, and then they'll they'll sentence him afterwards. Now, hopefully he won't actually yeah. get jail time other than being held now before a court-martial. But, yeah, he's going to lose his rank. He's going to probably be dis- dishonorably discharged, even though he already submitted his resignation. Well, um, yeah, they'll, they'll withdraw his commission, mm-hmm. and that that's all goes through Congress and everything. I mean, it, it's a whole episode yeah. of what's going to happen to him. Which, which again, underscores, in my opinion, his heroism, because he knew this was going to be his fate, and he could not remain silent after he watched the preventable deaths of 13 U.S. service members happen uh, in that chaos. It did not have to happen. It was preventable. He knows it. Senior military knows it. And he could not not let the American public know it, uh, particularly as he, a 17-year Marine vet. You know, he wanted them to know, to know that we do not, we do not uh, right. sign off on what our leadership does here. That colonel deserves a can you dig it. Yes, he does. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller absolutely does, and he will get one. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the call, you... Brian. Uh, let me go to Bob in Medina next. Bob, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, Bob. How you doing today? Good, sir. <clears throat> hey, I um, just wanted to um, uh, kind of give you a real quick overview, and and, and I will make it fast, Bob. Okay. Um, as far as uh, people realizing the goodness of God and the requirements of getting into the pearly gates has to come through Christ. It's very simple. You don't have to go through the whole thing. Uh, our, our friend Dr. Pfeiffer is really good at explaining that biblically. But this, uh, And that's the hardest thing for us to understand is how uh, simplistic salvation is, you know, just by... You know, believing that you know Christ died for our sins, and and that. But here's what here's my main point. I don't think, and and you and I had this discussion a couple of weeks back, and we basically concurred. But I don't think people realize the hatred and the tentacles that actually that Obama has, the disdain he has for the U.S. A, I mean, he's had it. He's proven it back, you know, in his young political days, which is uh, nil to nothing to, uh, as far as accomplishment is concerned. And I don't think we truly can grasp the amount of hatred that this man must have for capitalism, for the United States, for freedom. You know, because you can, you got to scratch your head and say, hey, he's living in Martha's Vineyard. You know, and uh, why would he do that? Why would he jeopardize what's going to happen to us, you know, because of this Afghanistan debacle? I'll let you take the rest, Bob. Okay, I appreciate that. Thanks so much for, for the call, Bob. You know, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit at a loss to understand exactly how much of an impact he has uh, on what's going on right now. Yesterday, I, I talked about Barack Obama uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, and the influence that he has, whether or not he's pulling strings and whether or not, uh, you know, Joe Biden is, is listening to him. If Do you remember that that video of Obama? Um, it was it was I want to say it was in the second or third year of the Trump administration in which he talked about how if he could not run for president again, how great it would be to be able to sit behind the scenes in sweatpants and just pull all the strings and make things happen. I, it's one of those weird kind of, you know, admissions that he probably didn't realize he was making, especially because he didn't know if he'd ever get a chance to do it. And he is. And he does. 
mean, he didn't know Joe Biden, who would be the ultimate puppet, because he's just so feeble and infirm and 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 you know cognitively declining that. They would need it. I mean, generally speaking, you'd think there'd be somebody else if they take over the presidency for the Democrats uh, who would you know, have their own ideas and their own way of running things and want to be able to make their own decisions and have their own ego stroked and so on and so forth. They didn't, he didn't know that there'd be a, his former uh, little buddy there, Joe Biden, would actually take over and be mumbling and bumbling and stumbling and tripping his way through his presidency to the point where Barack Obama could run it from behind the scenes. So there's a, there's a there is a part of that that I think is uh, is real. It's 10:20. We're going to get a quick time out. I've got more for you right after this. So in talking with uh, Brian, the Navy veteran, and he talked about the UCMJ. That's the U, uh, um, uh, Code of Military Justice. Um, here's what I found. I went ahead and looked it up during the break. Article 88 in the UCMJ reads, Any commissioned officer who uses contemptuous words against the president, the vice president, Congress, the Secretary of Defense, the Secretary of a Military Department, the Secretary of Transportation, or the governor or legislature of any state, territory, commonwealth, or possession in which he is on duty or present shall be punished as a court-martial may direct. So that's pretty strong. The Uniform Code of Military Justice, Article 88, headlined Contempt Toward Public Officials. It also says the official text of the offense under Article 89, so right after that, Any person subject to this chapter who behaves with disrespect toward his superior commissioned officer shall be punished as a court-martial may direct. Elements. One, that the accused did or omitted certain acts or used certain language to or concerning a certain commissioned officer. Two, that such behavior or language was directed toward that officer. Three, that that officer toward whom the acts, omissions, or words were directed was the superior commissioned officer of the accused. Four, that the accused then knew that the commissioned officer toward whom the acts, omissions, or words were directed was the accused's superior commissioned officer, and five, that under the circumstances the behavior or language was disrespectful to that commissioned officer. So it is spelled out pretty clearly. What Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheffler did in this case, he knew he was doing. He knew it was going to cause him to lose his rank, to lose his position, to lose his uh, office. Uh, you know, everything that you can imagine. And he, and he knew that. Stuart Scheller, 17-year military veteran, uh, said, I'm willing to give up all of it in order to say what needs to be said here about the deaths of 13 service members that did not have to happen, but only happened because of the incompetence or the uh, decision-making, the terrible decision-making of the senior officers in charge. So So there it is. It's spelled out pretty clearly. Fifteen more were critically wounded, in addition to the 13 killed in that suicide blast. And he went on to say that he is willing to give up all of it including his battalion seat, retirement, pension, family stability, and all the rest. Um, And I concur with everything he said, and I concur with Brian, the Navy veteran, who called me and said, that man deserves a can you do it. Can you 
dig it! You know, and that's just a little fun thing that I play on the radio, and I've been playing on the radio for over 20 years whenever I hear something that I think is really terrific and spectacular. But it's obviously much, much, much more serious than that for him. So I don't want anybody to think we're making light of it, but I do salute that uh, that Marine's courage of his convictions. I do. Even if, indeed, he knows what kind of impact it is going to have on his career and his family. Uh, let's go to uh, Florida. Tom, you're a Vietnam veteran. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you for calling us. Good morning, uh, Good morning, Tom. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for... Um, I, you know, the, the, you were right, what you just said, and the sailor was right, and they also had another article that would they can get you on anything they want to get you on, I remember. But that was 50 years ago when I was in Vietnam. But basically, he had a right to do what he wanted to say as a citizen, but not as a military person. But it's the same thing. The general did. He he went out and told, I, I'm going to call my counterpart in China and tell him that we're going to attack. I mean, that's just, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just frustrated like everybody else. Well, you're right to be, my friend, and I agree with you. Uh, you know, what, what Millie did to me was far more egregious uh, than what this particular, uh, you know, Marine did. But, but yeah, he knew he knew the rules, and, and you're right. He's, he can't be thrown into a civilian jail. He can't be subject to a civilian trial. Uh, because we have freedom of speech, and and he said what he wanted to say. However, in the military, you do have a different code of justice, and um, you don't have the freedom to condemn or criticize superior officers, particularly publicly. And uh, if you do, then you are subject to a military punishment, not a civilian one, and that's something that obviously he's going through right now. Right. Well, I enjoy listening to you down here. So, Tom, thank you for listening down there in the beautiful Sunshine State. You've got a great governor down there. You take good care of him. Make sure he stays in office, all right? Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Let's go to uh, John in Hudson. Hey, John, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. John, you... Oh, okay. Uh, then TJ in Cleveland is next. TJ, TJ, you do not have a great governor here. You should do everything you can to get rid of him. So, just to Boy, kind of dovetail. Truth, Bob. <laughs> no, you know... Uh, what he did, I think where he made his mistake was he should have resigned first before he came public with his criticism. You know, our 12th Battalion Cab uh, Regiment was almost wiped out during a 68 Tet Offensive, all because of horrible decisions made by the upper echelon. Now, the officers in the regiment were told afterwards, keep your mouth shut or your military career is over. Now, these officers waited 25 years until they retired then a couple of them got together and they wrote a book on what happened, the fiasco that cost us most of our battalion. Uh, I, I, what he did, I think, was a kind of a great thing, but at the same time, I, I think the way he went about it, he should have resigned first and then come public. And, but knowing this Biden administration, they probably still would have went after him for some kind of reason. I was going to say, other. do you think they would have, that would have stopped them if he resigns? And then, you know, he's, of course, going to get his pension and everything else. Do you think if he resigns and then proceeds to publicly bash leadership that they still couldn't go after his pension? I, I don't know what the rules are. I don't know if there's a way they could do that or not. I, I, I think they would have found some reason, legal or not, to go after him and just stomp on him. I mean, this is who we have in charge in this country right now. Uh, they'll stomp on anybody, whether it's legal or not. Uh, 
they'll get what they but want. But you're right. He would have been better off resigning first and then saying, I'm officially retired from the military. Because you know what? There's a lot of military like you who are going to go and march in parades or are going to go and, uh, you know, Trump, uh, uh, Trump uh, uh, rallies and wave your flags and say Biden is an idiot or whatever. And that's condemning your officially your superior officer, et cetera, uh, you know, the commander in chief. But they can't touch you because you're just a retired citizen. Uh, so you're right. I, I think maybe there is something there. There's, there's, thanks for the call, TJ. There's, there's millions of retirees who speak out politically against uh, things like the command, current commander in chief, maybe decisions made by the Pentagon, the defense secretary, and so on and so forth, and they can't be touched. So you're right. He should have submitted his resignation first. Uh, but I think he wanted to make a point. I think he wanted to make a point, and that was, I'm willing to sacrifice everything I have and everything I've built in a 17-year career to be able to say this, and I want everybody to hear it this way. Again, you know, not all heroes wear capes. News time now, right back. Podcasters and this station. Keeping you vaccinated against the lies of the liberal media pandemic. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, it's 1036. Good morning. Appreciate you being with us. I want to play a couple of things for you because I think they're extraordinarily important for you to hear. This is aside and apart from our discussion of uh, the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, the holding of um, military leaders' feet to the fire yesterday by the Senate Armed Services Committee. Some terrific questions asked of Lloyd Austin, Mark Milley, and um, Frank McKenzie. It's a little bit different. Last night in Loudoun County, Virginia, this matters because it's the same thing everywhere. It matters here because this is going on everywhere. Matt Walsh is a conservative pundit and commentator, and he is without question the best conservative troll uh, in all of social media, particularly on Twitter, which I'm so glad I'm not a part of anymore, but I do indeed watch and read Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh lives in Tennessee. But he has been watching very closely what the Loudoun County schools in Virginia are pushing on their kids, involving critical race theory, involving gender ideology, which means pushing of trans, the trans agenda, and the essential elimination of girls as a as a category, as a as a demographic of humankind. Girls and women aren't things. Uh, Whatever you think you are, you are. And uh, and more, including uh, you know the COVID COVID requirements involving masks and involving uh, uh, vaccine mandates and so on and so forth. So he was going to go to Loudoun County and testify, or not testify? Yeah, I guess testify. I wouldn't call it, but in the public comment uh, time uh, to criticize and condemn all of these things. And he was going to do this last month at their last meeting, and then at the very last second. Loudoun County officials changed their bylaws and said nobody's allowed to give public comment unless, and that's unless you have a school, a child in the school district or you are a resident. You have to be a resident of Loudoun County. So in other words, they were just basically did not want to hear what Matt Walsh had to say because they knew what he was going to say. So Matt Walsh, in one of the ultimate troll moves of all time, leased a home, leased a home in Loudoun County, Virginia then showed proof of the lease, and it doesn't have to be a five-year lease. It can be a one-month lease. Showed proof of the lease, 
to uh, the county officials and said, I'm now officially a resident of Loudoun County, Virginia. Let me speak. And they had no choice but to let him speak. So last night was the next board meeting. And he was prepared to go in there with five minutes worth of information, which is what standard pra- is standard practice for all of these school board meetings to discuss you know, these important things. And then last night happened, and he gave the story by way of Twitter in which he described it, quote, they only give you 60 seconds to speak now, not five minutes, one minute. They won't show the speakers on the live stream. They make you wear a mask and all of that after requiring ID and proof of residence to enter. They put up every obstacle that they could, but I still said my piece. So for 60 seconds, Matt Walsh had his turn at the microphone speaking to the school board members in Loudoun County, Virginia. These are 60 seconds that are worth listening to. Matthew Walsh. I would thank you all for allowing me to speak to you tonight, but you tried not to allow it, yet here I am. Now, you only give us 60 seconds, so let me get to the point. You are all child abusers. You prey upon impressionable children and indoctrinate them into your insane ideological cult, a cult which holds many fanatical views, but none so deranged as the idea that boys are girls and girls are boys. By imposing this vile nonsense on students to the point even of forcing young girls to share locker rooms with boys, you deprive these kids of safety and privacy and something more fundamental, too, which is truth. If education is not grounded in truth, then it is worthless. Worse, it is poison. You are poison. You are predators. I can see why you try to stop us from speaking. You know that your ideas are indefensible. You silence the opposing side because you have no argument. You can only hide under your beds like pathetic little gutless cowards hoping we shut up and go away. But we won't. I promise you that. Thank you for your time, and I'll talk to you again very, very soon. I'm sorry, it deserves two. Can you dig it? <laughs> or three. Can you dig it? Can, can, can you dig it? <laughs> I just wish the cameras were in tight enough on those board members so I could see their faces. When he opened up with, you are all child molesters, or I'm sorry, child abusers. Uh, every word, spot on. Every word took guts, and every word was worth the least that he signed to be able to testify or to be able to speak out publicly there. And I only wish he could come to more uh, school board meetings and say the exact same thing. Moreover, I hope there are more of us who can do such things, because that was outstanding. And, and like I said, every word was accurate, denying children the right to truth, much less privacy, science, denying children the right to be unified, insisting that they be divided by teaching critical race theory and teaching them to hate one another and to hate their country. Every word of it is true, and every word of it is child abusive or child abuse. George is calling us from Elyria. George, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm good, George. What's on your mind, sir? I can uh, definitely agree with the Navy caller this morning that the people in the Pentagon are all politicians. There is no military 
representation in the Pentagon. And I will go on to tell you a story real quick. 1967, I was a crew chief on 105s in Takali, Thailand, when our planes strafed a Russian ship. And our lieutenant colonel commander, Jack Broughton, went and got the film off the off the plane, destroyed it, and they tried to crucify that man all the way to the top. But uh, like I said, the Pentagon is a waste. Thanks, thanks for your time, Bob. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for the phone call and for that story from 67. Um, you know, the Pentagon, I... I, I I don't want to say, all right, let me do it this way. The Pentagon is currently manned and staffed is a waste, yes. I won't say that in a, in a general sense, obviously, because the Department of Defense is extraordinarily important to this country. But yes, as it's currently comprised, when Joe Biden appointed Lloyd Austin to be its chief, to be the Secretary of Defense, the Pentagon did become a waste. And when you have a CENTCOM commander like McKenzie, who's, who's refusing to stand up to the commander-in-chief, when you have a Joint Chiefs chairman like Milley, who's refusing to stand up to the commander-in-chief and saying, look, sir, you need to reconsider this, the, the, the job that we've done for the last 20 years is all going to be for naught if you withdraw all the troops, that if you don't leave a contingency force of 2,500, or 3,500, that the Afghan military force is going to collapse because that's their backbone. And when it collapses, the government's going to collapse. And when the government collapses, the Taliban is going to be running the show. The Taliban, the same Taliban that attacked us 20 years ago using al-Qaeda as their tool. Sir, you need to reconsider this. Apparently, they didn't say what they needed to say very strongly because Joe Biden didn't hear them. He didn't hear them or he, um, I don't know, he didn't hear them or he just completely ignored them. If your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline, they wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. No one said that to me that I can recall. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, did you guys deliver the message to President Biden or not? It's a simple question, Secretary Austin. He said no senior military leader advised him to leave a small troop presence behind. Is that true or not? Did these officer and General Miller's recommendations get to the president personally? Their input was uh, was received by the president and considered by the president, uh, for sure. Okay, there it is. There's the answer. Yes, for sure, their input was received by the president. Your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that, that wasn't true. I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. And I also recommended earlier in the fall of 2020 that we maintain 4,500 at that time. Those are my personal views. I also have a view that the withdrawal of those forces would lead inevitably to the collapse of the Afghan military forces and eventually the Afghan government. But your top military advisor. How about that? How about that? That's, that's quite interesting, isn't it? The military commanders say that they told him. He says, no, they didn't. And what happens? 
we withdraw every last troop before securing and withdrawing and transporting out our military equipment, and we abandon civilians. We abandon American civilians, citizens, and Afghan loyalists who are loyal to the United States, who assisted us, abandon them all. And exactly what McKenzie told him would happen did happen. The Afghan military threw down their weapons and ran because their backbone was gone, which was the 2,500 or 3,500 strong military American force that needed to be kept behind as a contingency. Matthew is in uh, Medina on AM 1420, The Answer. Matthew, good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Bob, yesterday I made two telephone calls. I called uh, Portman's office, and I called uh, Sherrod Brown's office, and I said, I'm demanding to find out where in the hell these people are down there. Where is somebody got to be responsible and start doing something about it with these people that murdered those 13 Marines. And uh, have you ever, Bob, have you ever been at a military burial? I have been to Arlington, but not during an actual uh, uh, ceremony, no, Okay, sir. well, I was. Uh, right after uh, World War II ended, we formed a VFW post, and there was a fellow in the neighborhood was killed in the European campaign, and they were shipping bodies back at that time. Yeah. from that campaign. And uh, so this, the mom and the dad came to the post, and they asked us if we would bury their son, the military. And absolutely, so we got our uniforms out and out, we did the whole thing. And I'm telling you, Bob, when, I, when you look into the eyes of the parents of that boy that was killed, they look like they're ready to just break out in tears because they are so hurt by what happened to one of their children. And nothing, not a damn thing, is being done in Washington. And why this guy isn't brought up on charges is unbelievable. You know, when that other, well, somebody else was talking before about the Pentagon. Yes, I, Bob, I never believed in all my 94 years that this country was so rotten like it is today. Can you believe it? Um, no, uh, I, I, let me, let me, let me respond to, and thank you, Matthew, for the phone call. Let me respond to, to how rotten things are today. Um, could you ever have imagined a day in which the president of the United States is taking away the freedom of the people of the United States? And in, if they don't capitulate in surrendering their medical freedom, they're going to lose their livelihoods and their jobs. No, I would never have imagined that. Did I ever envision a day in which the President of the United States would preside over a military as commander-in-chief that abandoned American citizens behind enemy lines on direct command? No, I never thought I would see that. Did you ever see a time, or did you ever foresee a time, or did I ever, in which the evacuation of a military uh, force and the evacuation of civilian personnel would be so chaotic that 13 members would die in a suicide attack? And then, in order to try to save face with the outrage and the anger of the parents that you just pointed out, that are ready to burst into tears at the sight of their lost loved ones at a funeral, in order to placate them, to use a drone strike to say, we just got the people who killed and were responsible for the death of your loved one, we just killed ISIS leaders, 
only for it to be absolutely a lie and to kill 10 civilians, including children, because they had to do something. They had to save face somehow. Did I ever see any of those things? No, I I never saw any of those things coming. I never saw this country in as much distress as it is right now, economically, militarily, diplomatically. Our most fundamental beliefs are all being questioned right now, and our most fundamental principles and tenets of our republic are all in serious jeopardy right now. I still have a Facebook account. Not proud of that, but I do. And during this broadcast, you know what I just changed my profile picture to about an hour ago? A picture of the United States flag flying upside down. And if you know what that means, you'll understand my point. If you don't, ask somebody. We'll be right back. Okay, Brett in Worcester is up next on AM 1420. The answer. Hey, Brett, go right ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. I'm a retired Navy Chief Petty Officer. So I, I know you. A thank thing you for or your two. service. Well, thank you for your support. Uh, so I know a thing or two about leadership. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing at the top of the Pentagon and the White House is a complete lack of leadership. And as a result, we're seeing politicians make political decisions, not leaders making critical decisions. You know, everything that, that we're seeing on Capitol Hill, the testimony, you know, uh, shunning responsibility, uh, you know, there's only one person that's been held accountable for any of this, and it's a lieutenant colonel sitting in Camp Lejeune right now in the brig. Yeah. And it's sad to see that, you know, somebody that calls out, and he literally threw his rank on the table to yeah. stand up for what he believes in. And why these generals don't do that, I have no idea. Well, you know, Tom Cotton, I think it was Cotton, asked them yesterday, asked Millie in particular, why have you not resigned? Your extraordinarily important advice on what to do to maintain security in Afghanistan after the withdrawal, which is keeping that contingency force, was ignored you, by the president. You heard his, why didn't you resign? You heard, exactly. And you heard his crap political response to that. To, well, I can't do that. I'd be letting my troops down. Yeah. No, he'd be, he'd be standing up for his troops. You know, you can't execute an, an unexecutable order. You know, to, to, for them to execute the orders that they were given by the president to evacuate basically at all costs on this day, regardless, for somebody to not put their rank on the table and say, Mr. President, I cannot execute that order. That's I right. cannot in good faith. Because it has to be conditions-based, and it was not conditions-based. Exactly. It was unconditional unconditional withdrawal at that time, no matter what is going on on the ground at that time. And you're right. If he had any kind of character whatsoever, or, or better yet, I'll use the word that is very big in the military, which you'll understand, honor. He didn't have enough honor to say, sir, I respectfully re- submit my resignation. I cannot carry that out. 
And, and that's right. exactly what needed to happen. And thank you for the call, my friend. And by the way, when you, as I said earlier in the show, when you have a Democrat, a member of the president's own party saying there's no leadership, literally there's nobody in charge, then you know it's for real. Thanks to Dave, Dave Zanotti and Rob Walgate, my guests this morning. Thanks to you. Thanks to our team. We'll see you tomorrow right here on AM 1420. The Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.